Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. They just did not want me. I was an unwanted child. But God was good. He gave me loving grandparents who took care of me for the first five years of my life. Loving uncles, loving cousins. And I had more than enough love as I grew up. At 91 years young, Sylvia Anthony has no plans to sit idle on the couch. In 1987, she founded Sylvia's Haven, a Boston-area shelter for women and children, and it remains her magnificent obsession. Today on Connections, Sylvia shares her remarkable story of tragedy and triumph, how she reconnected with her soulmate, and the message from God that prompted her philanthropy in her new book, Till the End of Time. We're joined today by Sylvia Anthony, and she's truly a golden girl at 91 years young. She remains steadfastly involved with her passion project, which is Sylvia's Haven, a Boston area shelter for homeless women and children that she launched in 1987. Your childhood wasn't exactly a nurturing one. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. I was born in the city of Boston inside a house in October 5th, 1929. I was not at a hospital. I was delivered at home. And my parents were very, very young. When I was conceived, my father was 18 years old and my mother was 19. And they did, they were not married. But the parents, when they found out, had them get married. So it was a shotgun wedding. They got married August 30th. I was born October 5th. But they they just did not want me. I was an unwanted child. But God was good. He gave me loving grandparents who took care of me for the first five years of my life. Loving uncles loving cousins, and I had more than enough love as I grew up. Sylvia, that's so great to hear. Like you say, your parents didn't want you, but yet you say God was still good to you. God, throughout the book, the God, the miracles God made were nothing but miraculous. You had plenty of miracles throughout your life, um, including you were in an abusive marriage, and from that marriage, though, you did receive some some beautiful children. And then you went on to be remarried. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, uh, I got married at 18 and a half years old because I was not happy at home. I always felt this friction. And I wanted to get out, and I was determined that I was going to get out. In fact, I voluntarily went to work after school at night. I mean, after school at 13 years of age. I was making 35 cents an hour. That was the minimum wage then. Wow. And I, at that age, I worked for about two years, and it took me two years to make $50, to save $50. Which and I bought myself what was called a Remington Remit portable typewriter. It came with directions on how to type, how to learn to type, and I taught myself before the school ever did. From there, I went to work uh, at, in, in offices part time, all the time. 
um, making out insurance policies or whatever before I even got to get typing at school. Uh, so that by the time I was 18 years old, I graduated high school at 17 years old. By the time I was 18 years old, I was going steady with a, uh, a, a local fella. And uh, he had been in the service in World War II and, and the uh, World War II was ended. And he seemed like a very nice man. I went with him for a year and a half. And I, I thought, you know, that this was gonna be it. We got married. I got married with a beautiful uh, uh, gown. You can see it here in my book. Oh, wow, yes, that's a beautiful gown. and a half years old. So I got married, and the day after I got married, I noticed his attitude changed completely. So I said, I didn't say anything. I figured, well, he was tired, the excitement of a big wedding and whatnot, and I just let it go at that. A week later, he's still doing the same thing. So finally, I went up to him and I said, Eddie, why are you treating me like this? You never did that before. He says, well, now you're married to me. Now you're stuck to me. I was Catholic at the time. I should have had an annulment within a week. But grandma says you have one man for life and grandma brought me up and I loved her dearly and I didn't want to hurt her. So I stayed married for 12 and a half years until grandma went home with the Lord. Then I figured I cannot do this anymore. I had three beautiful children, which I was very grateful for, but I, I finally had a divorce. My second child, though, and that's the first, no, two miracles. When I was pregnant with my first child, I vomited continuously. They put me on six meals a day, and six meals I vomited. I finally carried myself into the hospital. I went on my own accord. My husband at that time was working with my father. I went to their, the, my father was a surety parent. And I went there to tell him I was going to the hospital. Do you think either one of them would say, we'll take you? No. I got there on my own. And when the nurse took my pulse, it was 30 over 40. She thought the, uh, the pulse machine was broken. Finally, they realized that there was nothing wrong with the machine. It was me. And they put me upstairs right away into the hospital. The priest come and he said, I want to hear your confession or do you want your confession and it frightened me and I says to him why do I need it father and he just looked at me says he walked away he said we'll see what happened I was that close to death and he took me out of it God has always done it then my second boy was born three weeks early and he got yellow jaundice and he was in the hospital for a month, and they gave him back to me because they thought he was going to die. And he got through. My grandmother came to see me, and she looked at me, and she said in Italian, vive. In other words, his eyes look alive. And he was. And he came through. And my whole life is full of all of these miracles showing that God was with me every single step of the way, even until I had my shelter for homeless women and children. And now I've had 
I had helped 1,100 women and children in 33 years. How did you manage to keep your faith so strong? And where did this faith come from? Because it's just, you've been through a lot. You know, that's something that's very easy. Because I always, from the day I was born, I believe I knew there was a God. I would go to church My mother didn't go to church. She didn't tell me to go to church. I'd go to church on my own. And there was one time in 1936, there was a huge hurricane. And they had had ministers coming over. They had missionaries coming over to talk after school and at night in the evening to the people. They stayed for a week. So one day after school, the day of the hurricane, I was, oh, let me see. I must have been. If it was 1936, I was seven years old. I went in that hurricane. I went. I walked from my house to the church, was which was a good six or seven blocks away. In the wind, the wind was so strong it was practically carrying me away. So for protection, I would walk along the side of the tall buildings with my arms hugging the 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 building so that I wouldn't be carried away. And my mother saw me go out. She didn't even ask me where I was going. But that night, what did she do? She told my father, she said, you know, Sylvia went out in this hurricane to church. And he looked at me and, what are you, crazy? But do you think she would have said, don't go? No. So I always, always, always felt that God was with me. What amazes me is that you're 91 years old and you're still to this day helping women out there who are going through situations similar to what you went through. That again is God. When I, when it came to the shelter, I, I was 57 years old when I started it. I was already married for the second time and I kept saying to my husband, my kids were grown because I had I got, had them when I was a kid. But by 41, 40, 39 years old, my daughter was already married, the first child. The youngest was 16 years old. So now, I, because of the divorce and because I had to bring the children up myself, I felt a void because now my kids are grown. And yes, I had to work, but I also took care of them. Now I didn't have to take care of my kids anymore. And that's when God put it in my heart to have a shelter. Your second husband was very, very supportive of that. He was very supportive. He never said, what are you, crazy? Like I think most husbands would have said. And uh, in fact, when when he died, uh, before he died, he had a cancer of uh, uh, colon cancer for two and a half, three years, three years. And when he was uh, terminally ill, pronounced terminally ill, uh, he saw, he was watching all these TV evangelists on the, on the TV set. And he saw Jerry Falwell and I was in the kitchen washing breakfast dishes. And he said, Sylvia, come here, come here, come here. And I went and Jerry Falwell was saying that 2 million babies are being aborted each year and that he had a shelter for homeless pregnant girls so they wouldn't abort their babies. 
And he says, I put it by this time, he was up in age and I think he wanted other people to do the same thing. And he said, I put together a save a baby syllabus and I will give it to anybody free of charge. It's a manual to tell you how to run a shelter. He said, I'll give it to you free of charge if you want it. And I said to my husband, that's what I want. And sick as he was, he started networking among the pro-life groups and whatnot. He got a Christian lawyer to do my articles of incorporation, incorporated me with the state of Massachusetts and started my nonprofit status. So by the time my husband died, this was incorporated on January 25th, 1987. My husband died March 30, 1987. And the two last sentences he said before he died was, go get the girls and don't worry, I'll always take care of you. I think he has. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Can you tell us a, a little bit more about Sylvia's Haven? Sylvia's Haven is a shelter for homeless women and children. It started out being called Life of the Little Ones. It was just for pregnant girls. But uh, then when we had the opportunity to go to Fort Devens under the McKinney Act, I was given for uh, a lease on Fort Devens, which is an army camp. This, this McKinney Act states that you have, uh, that if there is a base closing down, X amount of space had to be given to the homeless. I heard about it. I inquired about it. And then after I inquired, I got a letter from the federal government telling me that Fort Devens was closing down. And by this time, I was operating the shelter on the life of the little ones. And they said it was closing down. And if I were interested, they sent us a whole big sheet full of all these buildings that were going to be available. 48% of the base was going to be closed. And they said, you can pick what you want. And if you send in a letter of intent and a proposal, and we sh- we'll let you know within 30 days, he said, you, you, can, you can lease it for a dollar a year. I picked 50 chap, uh, fifty chap townhouses that the staff sergeants had. I think I, uh, I also picked the post chapel worth $18 million that was on five acres of land and 50 townhouses. And uh, right away, the people started coming in. And and it, it it was I processed a hundred women and children every year for nine years until the state come in and wanted the property. Then a big legal battle ensued for four years. They never won the battle. They had to pay me off, but they paid me off pittance. So now I only have one place again. But now God has put it in my heart to have a shelter in every state. And I went to a meeting of a group of people once, and a young couple come over to me in their 40s, I believe, and they said they wanted to have a shelter. So now they're in Portland, Oregon, and I think that they're putting it together now as we speak. So now my job isn't done. God has got to have one in every state, and we'll do that. One and maybe more places like New York, they, it's such a large state. We could have one in New York City, one in Albany, and one in any other state there in Buffalo or whatever. Like the end, so, like the title of your book, you plan to do this till the end of time. It's till the end of time. Yes. 
Tell me a little bit more about your book and why you decided to put this book together. Well, when I became uh, when I uh, became uh, uh, what well, it, I'm trying to think of how to put. Everybody was telling me when I was in the, uh, doing the shelter, you should write a book. You should write a book. Well, finally, I decided to write the book. And it tells of my childhood. It tells of all of these things. It tells of my love life. Because my husband when my, and my second husband weren't the only one. I had a, a, a man that I, uh, a, when I was a child, a, a childhood sweetheart, that really was the love of my life. And he comes in and out of the picture all the time, right up until the end, when we, we ended up actually not living together, we never did. But we became soulmates, and he helped me uh, put the shelter together at Fort Devens, uh, carrying the furniture, picking up furniture for people that were donating it. He worked tremendously hard. And at one point for 10 years, he would, before I got married to my second husband, he would take care of my children as I, as I would go out. And uh, the story is, is about love as well as, as everything else. It is an all-inclusive story. And it has many, many factors that I, I've had people tell me over and over again, once they read the book, they couldn't put it down. And uh, I, it was number one, as you could see, on Amazon in four different categories. It even passed Joel Oldstein. Amazing. Did you think at 91 you'd be number one uh, on the bestsellers or one of the number one bestsellers? Yeah. But that's, a, that's the way it is in the... They, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna do another chapter of it. If this goes up to page uh, age eighty-five, I am now doing up to age ninety. I'm adding. I'm revising it now. That's amazing. I, I got uh, two thousand and sixteen and two thousand and seventeen done. It'll be a few weeks before I'll have the whole thing done, and I'll republish it again. And it's my hope that this time we can get it either in a movie or a TV series. It's so long. Everybody tells me it really needs to be a TV series. And I think it would be wonderful. A lot different than most of the baloney that they have on TV today. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, for people... <laughs> for people who want to learn more about you or about your book or about Sylvia's Haven, how can they do that? Yeah. That's where they'll learn it all. They'll know once they read my book, they'll know me from tip to toe, <laughs> and, and, and everything in between. And in one there, in the end, there's a whole paragraph of testimonials from the girls, telling how much they, you know, how much they appreciate what I've done for them. One of the girls that was born in my place is now a lawyer. And when her mother was pregnant with her in my place, and that, oh, by the way, that chain, when I went to Fort Devons, we changed the place to name to Sylvia's Haven and opened it up to all homeless women, whether they were pregnant or not. And um, that's what it ended up, ended up being. But this particular girl, her mother came to me. She was my 10th client 
pregnant and she had the baby there and her grandmother always said to me, I will always keep you informed because the grandmother ended up raising that child. And she says, I'll always keep you informed and she has. And uh, she put the girl through private school, but she, she got two double promotions. She would send me pictures of the birthdays and whatnot. She always kept in touch with me. And uh, then when her husband died, for some reason, she suddenly went into a financial drop, I think, before the husband died. And the father of the baby found out, and they lived in Nigeria. And he told them that if they brought the girl back to Massachusetts, that he would gladly have the girl live with him and he would, she would, he would put her to college. And she went to Suffolk Law and she became a lawyer. And now she's getting married next August. And I'll be invited to the wedding. And the last two years of her college education, her grandmother called me and said, she wants to live closer to Boston, nearer the college. And she was quite a way uh, far away. She says, have you got any place there? I said, sure. So for the last two years of her college, she stayed with me. And uh, I certainly went to her graduation. And while I was there, a woman looked at me and she says, is this one of your grandchildren that is graduating? I says, no, she was born in my shelter and her face dropped a mile. Wow. But, you know, the good so far exceeds the bad that, I mean, yes, you have some troubles, but the good to see things like that, to see a girl evolve. So, and now I'm going to be invited to her wedding. I mean, it's, what else could you ask for? It's full circle. It's amazing. Do you... Do you have any plans to ever stop or will you, like your book says, go? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As far as I'm concerned, I'll do what God wants me to do right up until the day he takes me home. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I'm hearing from you. You had such a horrible, rough start to your life. But as long as you've got God in your life, you can succeed. Well, that's God's leading, and and that's what I go by. That's how I, I've led my whole life, and I just go about doing what he wants me to do the way he wants me to do it, and he takes care of the rest. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for making time for us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you very, very much, and believe me, if they... They, they will go to Amazon and buy the book. Or if they want to, if the people would want a book from me, I would give it to them for a donation to Sylvia's Haven. Uh, I can give you my address and my phone number. Is that all right? Sure. Do you have an email address for them? Yeah. Okay. It's Sylvia's Haven Inc. at AOL.com. That's spelled S Y L. B-I-A-S H-A-V-E-N I-N-C at AOL dot com. Fantastic. If you can ask for me, I will send it to them uh, for any donation that they want to give to Sylvia's Haven. What are your words of wisdom for any other women or young ladies that may be out there that 
are going through a similar situation that you went through when you were younger, what would you say to them? First of all, make God the center of your life. And he will help you. God is a good God. He didn't make anyone to suffer. If you've had your problems and whatnot, if you're homeless, seek help. If you're not homeless, just stay close to God. Give yourself over to God and tell him, that you need his help, and he won't let you down. He'll give you everything you desire if you will just turn yourself over to him. Thank you so much, Sylvia. Thank you so much. Some great advice, something so simple yet so easy to forget. Thank you so much for joining us today and for listening. If you want to listen to this full conversation or any of the other conversations that we've had here on Connections, You can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.